0: Got a Bible. Daniel chapter 10. We're keeping on moving through Daniel. Last week we engaged Daniel's prophecy of the 77s. That portion of Daniel that probably gets more attention than virtually any other prophetic word. And it, for those who are really into prophecy, it's exciting stuff. I mean, people are, are sucked into that. They want to spend weeks there, and we just kind of blew through it. And now we're turning to chapter 10. And for those who are really into the prophecy thing, you're saying, well, well this is kind of a, a letdown. Because we go from this tremendous prophetic message to a prayer meeting. Now, folks, I just kind of know how that works in the head, Okay. In many people's thoughts, this is not as exciting. Until we're faced with a crisis, but man, when the crisis comes and we're in trouble and the world's falling apart and our families are struggling and and maybe we're worried about work and we're worried about this and we're worried about it, then all of a sudden prayer becomes a vital part of our reality. Well, Daniel knew that things were reaching some crisis points. Daniel was probably in his late 80s when we reached this point in the story. He was an elderly gentleman. He knew, he was familiar with, I've told you this before, he knew what Jeremiah had prophesied that the exile would last 70 years and he knew that they were coming to the end of that period so there were some things that had to happen and it was going to be an exciting time it was going to be a stressful time it was going to be a time that was going to shake the nations up and he became what many of our senior adults become a prayer warrior And when we get to chapter 10, we find Daniel praying. And so this morning, as we enter into this time in the Word of God, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. It's a reality, and I know a lot of people say, well, this is a really weird place to talk about spiritual warfare. Daniel? Yes, indeed. Daniel chapter 10. We're going to read the entire chapter. I wish I could figure out a way to break it down, just can't do it. It's a whole episode, so we got to take it all in one big bite. So if you've got your Bible open to Daniel chapter 10, if you can and will, I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's holy word. Daniel chapter 10, beginning at verse 1, here's what we see. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, A revelation was given to Daniel, who is called Belshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food. No meat or wine touched my lips. I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, "'As I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like chrysolite, and his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his his voice like the sound of a multitude.' I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking. And as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me. And set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up. For I have been now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come." While he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face toward the ground and was speechless. Then one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I'm helpless. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Did not be afraid, O man highly esteemed. He said, peace. Be strong now. Be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. So he said, do you know why I've come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first... I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one supports me against them except Michael, your prince. Father, this morning we ask you to bless the reading of your word. And I pray that as we spend these moments together, you would unlock to us the mysteries that we need to understand. But even more than that, I pray you would open our eyes to see the way in which you have been and still are working in our world to make your glory known and to reveal the truth to mankind. Father, I pray that you would help us to hear your voice. If there's one here who does not know you, that they would be drawn to you. If there are those who have come into this place hurting and seeking healing, I pray, Father, that your hand would be upon them. Just as you touched Daniel and gave him strength and gave him breath and gave him power, I pray that you would do the same in the lives of your people today. Father, teach us your truth. Call us to walk in it and find us obedient. I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I find it interesting, most of us are familiar to some degree with the concept of spiritual warfare. We've heard about it. We've, we've read about it. We've listened to preachers on TV and on the radio talk about it. We've seen conferences held regarding it. Most of us are familiar with Paul's instruction to believers in Ephesians chapter 6 where he tells them to put on the full armor of God And then he explains to them that that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and the powers of darkness that reign in this world. Peter reminded his Christian brothers and sisters in the first century that our enemy, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And he told them we are to resist him by standing firm in our faith. But many people I've discovered have never realized that spiritual warfare had been around a lot longer than the New Testament. There had been since the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden been a spiritual battle taking place for the soul of mankind. The forces of good, the forces of evil aligned against one another. You find it all over the Old Testament if you'll just look and allow God to show it to you. God's people and the enemy have always been at war, and this spiritual warfare is revealed clearly in Daniel chapter 10, and I just want us to examine this chapter together and try to glean a little bit of an understanding about what that means. In order to do that, we're just going to break this down, make it simple and easy, but don't close your Bible because we're not leaving this, all right? I don't have a whole lot to say that's of very much importance, but God's Word is always important. And what it has to say is what we need to hear, what we need to see, and what we need to understand and embrace. And where we begin with this passage of Scripture is simply with a statement that says, genuine spiritual warfare begins with divine revelation. If you look at verse 1 of this chapter, the very first thing you find is that it's a It is a divine revelation. Daniel says, in the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who's called Belshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. In the third year of King Cyrus of Persia, that's around 536 B.C. It's about the third year following his conquest and victory over Babylon, which is recorded in Daniel chapter 5. Now, what we're reading in chapter 10 is two years after the vision we read in chapter 9 last week. To avoid confusion, because a lot of people get hung up right off the bat. They say, wait a minute. How did we get to Cyrus? Back in chapter 9 and verse 1, we were dealing with, with Darius, So how do we get from Darius the Mede to Cyrus the king of Persia? And how could it be Cyrus' third year when Darius was the king two years before? Don't get confused. This is the same man. This is the same man with two different names. Darius is probably a dynastic title. It was a family name that was given to the kings. But the name Cyrus, that was his proper name. The name he had been given as a child. Darius was the name he was given when he ascended to the throne. Divine revelation comes to Daniel and its meaning is given to him in a vision that comes from the Lord. That means when it comes from the Lord, it's of divine origin. It's a divine revelation. That's the reason Daniel says the message was true. Folks, don't miss that little statement because you see, that's what everything I believe in hangs on. It is true. Why is it true? Because it came from God. God is truth. Everything he says, everything that is written in his word, everything he speaks to us, it is truth. When you begin to doubt the truth of what God has to say, you begin to doubt all of this word. When you begin to doubt all of this word, all of the foundations of your faith begin to crumble and wash away. Daniel is a whole lot smarter than I am and a whole lot more experienced than I am, and he says it was truth. Why? Because it came from God. And it concerned a great war. It involved the the suffering of God's people. You see, genuine spiritual warfare starts with God revealing something to people. His people. But let me take you to the next step of that. Because genuine spiritual warfare Starts with that divine revelation, but then it calls for human action and involvement. It's not just the forces of God versus the forces of Satan. I mean, I'm just going to tell you, folks, that battle would be over quickly and done. All right? This has to do with the souls of man, and God allows people to be involved in this. And this is what we see in verses 2 and 3. Verse 2, Daniel says, at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food. No meat or wine touched my lips. I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. What's Daniel saying? He's saying, I'm fasting and praying. I'm putting my own personal needs aside. I'm doing rudimentary bathing, but I'm not anointing my body with oils. Listen, Daniel was a wealthy man. He was well respected within the kingdom. He had the opportunity to dress well and to smell good and to have all of the products that would be available to anyone in the kingdom. But he says, no, all I did was just rudimentary bathing. I fasted. I prayed. I wasn't focused on me. I was focused on God. I was focused on what He had shown me and what that might mean and what i was supposed to do with it daniel received his revelation but notice what it says if you keep reading on the explanation the understanding didn't come with the vision it came sometime later it came after he had already seen this first portion of the vision he took drastic steps in prayer he wanted to know what's god doing What is God's plan? What is God's will? How is God engaging the world I'm part of? Verse 12 clearly states, when the understanding came to Daniel, it came as a response to his intense, passionate prayer time. Verse 12 says, this one speaking to him said, Do not be afraid since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. Friends, hear me. God hears his people when they pray. When you cry out to the Lord, he hears you. His answer will come in his time. It may, Listen, I'm going to tell you something. There are a lot of times when I pray, and I pray a second time, a third time, a fourth time, and I just keep on going, and I'm thinking, Lord, are you out there? Lord, do you hear me? Lord, are you ever going to answer me? And I'm just telling you, I think God is sitting on the throne saying, oh, you foolish child. I heard you the first time. And yes, I know what the answer is. And yes, I'm going to give you the answer. But you're going to have to wait for the answer on my time. You see, that's how it works. God knew the answer when Daniel began to pray. The answer was there. So why was Daniel continuing to pray? I've had people ask me before, preacher, is a lack of faith. If I keep talking to God about the same thing over and over, if I just ask him once, isn't that enough? Is it necessary for me to keep talking to him about it over and over and over? It's a good question, isn't it? Y'all ever ask yourself that question? Some people do. Let me explain to you what Daniel's doing here, okay? Now, I've already told you multiple times as I've been going through the book of Daniel, Daniel was very familiar with the last prophet who preceded the exile, Jeremiah. And Jeremiah had talked about the end of the exile. And I'm about to say something here that may just get me into all kinds of hot water with some of you. And so I'm going to try to explain it before I do it. All right? Because we American Christians, we 21st century Christians, love to take Old Testament passages that were given to a specific people And take a verse which may in fact contain a good general truth. But we tend to think it's all about us. Now it's not. The general truth can apply to all of God's people throughout all of time. But the specific application was for specific people at a specific time. Now I know probably some of you are saying, why would he bother to tell us that? Because I'm fixing to walk right into some of y'all's living room right now. Put your finger there in Daniel chapter 10 and go back to Jeremiah chapter 29. Because I have seen this verse on your shirts. I've seen it on your walls. I have seen it at the bottom of your emails. And I want to tell you, there is a tremendous general truth that can be claimed by God's people. But if you read Jeremiah 29, 11, in context, you discover there is a specific purpose and meaning and intent to this verse. So let me just share it with you. I'm going to start in Jeremiah chapter 29 at verse 10. Now understand, this is a God speaking through the prophet. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you, talking to Israel, and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place, Israel, Jerusalem. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Isn't that an amazing verse? Great general principle, but understand it wasn't written to you or to me. It was written to Israel. But since we've been grafted into the vine, we can claim a piece of this, okay? But then look at what follows. This is where it really gets good. This is where we, we find the explanation of what Daniel's doing. Verses 12 and 13. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Daniel knew it's time to pray. The 70 years is almost up. God's promise is going to be fulfilled. I need to be crying out to him. If I can't do anything else, I'm going to lead my small circle of friends, and we are going to seek God with all of our hearts. We are going to pursue him. We want to know his truth. And so he mourns over the sin of himself and his people, and he cries out to God, ignoring his physical needs for eat and for drink and for cleanliness. I can tell you all of that because you need to understand here is the next reality. Genuine spiritual warfare is a struggle. It's not easy street. It's not just sitting back and saying, In the name of Jesus, get away from me, Satan. That's not it. It is engaging, it is pouring yourself into the Word of God and allowing the Spirit of God to move into your life and begin to work through you as you come before the throne of grace. Daniel experiences this. God's awesome glory is present and it's revealed. Back into Daniel chapter 10. Pick it up with verse 4. I just want to know what would happen if this took place in one of our prayer meetings. I wonder how many people be taken off. Uh, start verse 4. But on the 24th day of the first month, I was standing by the, by the Tigris River. I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like crystallite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. Now, I'm just going to tell you what. Something like that drops in on prayer meeting. It's going to clear the room. It cleared the banks of the river because Daniel goes on to explain here his friends didn't see it. People want to know, well, then why did they run off? I want you to hear me very clearly, my friends. Sometimes I think I have to walk down here and get close just so you can pay attention, okay? I want you to hear me. You don't have to see it to sense it. You don't have to see it with your eyes to know that the Spirit of God has just dropped onto the place. If you've ever been in a place where the Spirit of God began to move and just fell on a place in power and in might and people were convicted of their sins and lives began to be changed by the power of a holy God, you understand something. You don't got to see it. You know it. Daniel saw it. The others didn't, but they knew it was there. And they took off like good Baptists. Spirit's too close. (laughs) They took off. They fled. And they left Daniel there by himself in the presence of this one. All right. Let's unpack this one because see Daniel's been meeting with Gabriel on a fairly regular basis but I just want to go ahead and pop that balloon right off the bat this is not Daniel this is not Gabriel with him this is the Lord Jesus Christ and I have people say well you can't know that it doesn't say that well you go back and look at the description with me and look at what it says about this one There before me was a man dressed in linen. Uh, What is he wearing? He is wearing white priestly type garments. With a belt of the finest gold around his waist. Well, did the priest wear a belt of gold around it? No, that was the king's wardrobe. What is this one here to do? To give and explain prophecy. Prophet, priest, king. Who do you think we're talking about here, folks? It's Jesus Christ. And if you go ahead and read the rest of this, his body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, his voice like the sound of a multitude. Why don't you just go pick up John on the Isle of Patmos in the book of Revelation, and you tell me the description's not the same. It is. This is the Lord Jesus Christ in fleshly form, making himself evident, showing himself. The others run away. Daniel falls to the ground, begins to sleep. That's called a pass out, where I come from. Now, I don't want to overkill this, but I want you to understand, there are, when you engage in spiritual warfare, When you begin to pray intensely and fervently, when you begin to neglect yourself for the purpose of seeking the mind of God, you need to understand that there are some severe physical implications that go with that. All right? And this is where I give you my disclaimer and say before you do this, please consult with your physician. There are severe physical implications when we get to this place in our lives. And I want you to see this with me in verses 10 through 17. You got your Bible? Take take a quick peek. I'm going to point some things out to you. Daniel has fallen into a deep sleep while he's, he's listening to this voice. In verse 10, we're told that Daniel was lifted up and placed on his hands and knees while trembling. Have you ever prayed until you were just shaken? I mean, Daniel literally is quaking in his skin. And then it says in verse 11, he found the strength to stand. He stood up. He's still trembling. His knees are knocking. His body is quaking. There is a weakness upon him. The Spirit of God is moving in him. And as Daniel listens to the message being delivered, he tells us in verse 15, I bowed with my face toward the ground. This is a symbol of fear and humility and reverence and awe. He was rendered speechless. Speechless. His friends who fled may have been Baptist, but Daniel was not. He was speechless. The presence of God took away from him the ability to utter. Listen, I want to tell you something. When God begins to speak, we don't got nothing to say. We have nothing to say that is worth being heard when God begins to speak. Everyone should be silent before him when he begins to speak. And and Daniel tells us in verse 16, he found himself feeling overcome with anguish. That happens when you're in the presence of a holy God. He found himself feeling helpless. Everything that he saw, everything that he heard, left him with the realization, he says in verse 17, that my strength was gone and I can hardly breathe. Have you ever spent time in the presence of God and found yourself on the floor, prostate before him? You stretch out, and you're not even sure how you got there. But it's almost like God is just pressing down on you and speaking his truth into your life. And some of y'all look at me and say, the preacher has done flipped out and gone crazy. No, I'm just telling you. What the Lord told Jeremiah is true. If you'll seek the Lord with all your heart, you will find him. The scary part is not that you find him, but he finds you. (laughs) And when he finds you, everything gets changed. And that's what was happening here in the life of Daniel. This mighty man of God, and yet no different than us. In the sense that he found himself before God weak and breathless. Incapable of putting into words anything that was worth hearing. I'm just going to tell you something. If that's where spiritual warfare left us. Everybody had run away from it. Nobody would want any part of that. But that's not where spiritual warfare leaves you. Because see. It can't be. You know why? Because we're not at the end of the chapter yet. And we're not done until we get to the end of the chapter. So there's got to be more to this story. It doesn't leave you there. In fact, I'm going to tell you this. According to the rest of the story, genuine spiritual warfare should lead to renewal. Let's finish this chapter, shall we? Got your Bible open? Pick it up at verse 18 with me. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, O man, highly esteemed, he said. By the way, that O highly esteemed thing, that goes back to the chapter before. If you didn't get that last week, go back and find it. It's in chapter 9. He's highly esteemed in heaven. God knows who Daniel is. Listen, if you're his child, he knows who you are. He said, peace. Be strong now. Be strong. And when he spoke to me, I was strengthened. Now, how amazing is that? God says for something to happen, it happens. That's how it works, folks. When God says be strengthened, you're stronger. When God says have courage, you're courageous. When God says bow down, you will bow down. Whatever God speaks comes to pass. He said, peace, be strong now. Be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened. I said, speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. He knew where the strength came from. Daniel knew it wasn't from himself. It was from God speaking it into him. Right at that point, we need to understand that there is peace and power and purpose when we step into the will of God. There's a ministry that's performed to us, upon us, within us, when we pray and we pour ourselves out seeking God. And that's what Daniel experienced. He was touched. Verse 18, you talked about it. But this was a third, three times in this chapter, he was touched. Three different times, Daniel was touched. And on the third touch, he was strengthened. And when I read verse 19, I kept reading it over and over because there was something about it and I couldn't quite put my finger on it, and then finally it dawned on me. Verse 19 is a blessing being spoken onto Daniel's life. Now see, that's kind of a concept that's foreign in our world because we've reached a place tragically where many parents do not speak a blessing into their children's lives. They often speak curses. They they speak into their children. You're worthless. You're never going to amount to anything. You keep acting like that, you're going to wind up in jail. Friend, I want to tell you something. You're speaking curses into your children's lives, your grandchildren's lives. If you're talking like that, don't do it. What this being did, what the Lord did, was speak into Daniel's life a blessing. Do not be afraid, O man highly esteemed. Peace. Be strong now. Be strong. And when he spoke to me, it happened. See, blessings bring direction. And when the Lord spoke this into Daniel's life, it it reveals to him, it prepares him for the peace and the power and the purpose that God has for him. In these last two verses, 20 and 21, the Lord reveals a mighty mixture of earthly reality and spiritual truth. What do you mean by that? Verse 20, the Lord asked Daniel, do you know why I've come to you? Do you know why I'm here? Do do you understand everything you've seen? Do you realize what's going on? Of course Daniel didn't. So he answered him without a response. Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. The 70 years is almost over. It's almost time... For this empire to fall it's almost time for the bonds to be released and my people to be sent home and when I go because I'm going with my people then the prince of Greece will come now I told you earthly reality here's your earthly reality folks The Persian Empire lasted from 539 to 331 B.C., 331 BC. Do you remember that this was the third year? This is about 536. We're still a ways in, but we're almost to the end of the time that Israel would be held there in exile. And then he says, after this empire falls, then after I've defeated the Persian devils, the Persian demons, the evil forces that inhabit this government, guess who's coming next? The Greeks. Alexander and his armies are going to fly across the world. And the Greek Empire would be established from 331. That's when the Persian Empire ended and last until 63 B.C. when Rome would rise. Now, before I go a step further, I'm going to tell you something about empires and governments. There's good and bad in all of them. There's good and bad in every one of them. The Persian Empire and the Greek Empire and the Roman Empire did great things. And they also embodied evil that attacked God's people and sought to bring harm upon God's people. Here's the Lord saying, but I'm going to tell you what's written in the book of truth. And that's where he ends this chapter. Let me tell you what's written in the book. All he's doing is setting the stage So you can come back next Sunday and the Sunday after that and we find out what's in chapters 11 and 12. And I'm not TV. I can't give you a preview of next week's episode. But then the last phrase comes in here and, and it says this, no one supports me against them except Michael, your prince. And I just want to tell you, folks, don't fret. Don't fret that there are only two warriors to do battle on God's behalf. He can win with half that. He can win with none of that. He's God. They're all that's needed. Can I just tell you that Daniel's, Daniel's prophecy and Daniel's writing, it's amazing stuff. But I want you to hear me in this room today. And I want to say two things in connection. First, to my brothers and sisters in Christ in this room. Do not become overly obsessed or anxious or overly concerned with the demonic powers in this world with which we are at war. They're already defeated. They just haven't reached the final battle yet. And don't get so hung up in trying to grapple with, grasp, and comprehend the prophecy that you lose sight of living life in the here and now in this present moment and being useful in the kingdom of God. And I say that because I believe with all of my heart that the Savior that Daniel saw in verses 5 and 6 is both powerful and faithful. And the warriors that he sends to do battle on behalf of his kingdom, they will be more than sufficient to the task. Now, to my brothers and sisters in Christ and those of you who may be saying this guy's a lunatic. Because if you don't know Jesus, none of this makes sense. I've told you repeatedly since we started in Daniel. Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes on the text. Because all throughout Daniel and all throughout the Old Testament, you'll catch glimpses of Jesus. In chapter 9, in the vision that Daniel recorded for us, it was the anointed one is coming. In chapter 10, Daniel looks up and there before him stood the anointed one. There are going to be matters in this book that trouble us. I know there are me. And there may be some matters in this book or just in your life that are going to drive you to intense, fervent, passionate prayer that goes far beyond the norm of what most people do. But be of good cheer. Renew your strength. Be strong. Be courageous. Because the God who has control of all things has control of our destiny. And my friend, though the world may seem powerful, and the powers of this world may be wicked and evil, the God who loves us, the God who has given us life, the God who sent his only son to redeem us by taking our sin and paying the price for it on the cross, he has a far greater plan for you and for me than any devastation that Satan can bring into our lives. Hey, preacher, you know what you're talking about. There are people on the other side of the world that are being persecuted. They're they're even losing their lives because they call upon the name of Jesus. Yes, they are. And in some odd, strange way, and I know I'm odd and strange, so it shouldn't be any surprise that I could say this to you. But in some odd, strange way... I envy them. Because my friend, when they lay down their life and they take their last breath here, they draw their first breath in eternity. And I tell you this, they're not looking at a crowd like I'm looking at right now. They're looking into the face of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And one day I'm going to look on that face and I can't wait. If you belong to Him, you're going to look on His face as well. If you don't know Him, if you've never understood the need to confess your sin and to seek his forgiveness, if you've never understood the need to receive his gift of eternal life, my friend, you have much to fear. Because the enemy of your soul is going to do everything in his power to turn your attention away right now. He's going to do everything he can to keep you right where you're at and on a fast track to hell. But God has a better plan for your life. But you'll never figure that plan out. You'll never find that plan. You'll never walk in that plan until you come to the place where you're willing to surrender your heart and your soul to Jesus Christ. And acknowledge Him as Savior and as Lord of your life. Maybe you need to do that today. I don't know how God speaks I think we all hear him in different ways. And sometimes I have people come out and say, Pastor, I loved it when you said it. And I'm thinking, myself, I didn't say that. But apparently that's what they heard because the Spirit of God spoke that into their lives. However it is that God may be speaking to you today and whatever it is he's calling you to do, I plead with you, do not ignore him. Don't push him back. Don't push him away. Don't wait. Don't put it off. If he's calling, obey him. Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment, we're going to stand together and sing a song of commitment, of surrender, of invitation. I I know that God speaks, and I know I believe that He's spoken here this morning. I believe that there's someone in this room that He's calling, and I, I think that there are multitudes of people who are hearing His voice and saying, you know, I need to do this, I need to do... Listen, that's not you thinking, that's the Spirit of God prompting. Be obedient. Let Him have His way. Whatever he chooses to do with your life and in your life, let him have the glory for it. It's all his anyway. Do you hear him? Has it called? Is it calling? Will you respond? Father, I thank you this morning for your word. <laughs> Challenging, yes. Truth, always. And, Father, in that truth, we find that we are fallen and we are sinful and you are perfect and holy and we need a Savior and you provided. And, Father, today in this room, I believe that there are those who need to call on you. I believe that there are those who have wandered away who need to come back home. There are those who need to follow you. There are those who need to be obedient to your voice. And, Father, you know each one and you know their need. And even now your Spirit is speaking calling, addressing, convicting because you stand ready today to make new creations to restore hope to give life Father may we hear your voice may we obey may we turn our eyes on Jesus and see him as the one the one who has offered us hope, the one who has offered us life, the one who has offered us redemption the one who has paid our price he is the good news He is our hope and our salvation. Father, I pray today that each one of us in our own way, with our own need, would run to him. Trusting, believing, receiving what he offers. Father, have your way in each of our lives. Be glorified in this place and in the lives of your people. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.